Hey, I'm Russ Bailey, and you are listening to Screenplaying, the podcast where I interview working screenwriters and ask them how they broke into Hollywood. Today, I am here with Joanna Pickering. Joanna, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. I love hearing uh, how people got started in this biz. And uh, your story struck me as unique. Because uh, if I'm correct, you you came into this world from being a playwright first, correct? That's right. Yes. I mean, technically, I did a degree in mathematics and then went into acting and then went into writing and playwriting to screenwriting. I, can you kind of can we just take a few minutes? Can you kind of tell me that journey uh, of what that was like? Um, so. Well, right from the beginning, I did mathematics and I decided when I graduated to take a few acting lessons just temporarily um, to improve public speaking. Uh, and I, I did a few acting lessons, which turned into about 20 independent films. And I never went back to my degree, much to my father's annoyance. And from there, I was working in New York. I trained at Lee Strasberg um, very much as an actor. And I joined a theater and they had submissions for playwrights and they were short of playwrights, particularly female playwrights. So I just thought, you know, what the hell? I'll just write something and submit it and see what happens. And it was picked and that became my debut one act play, which went on to win awards in the independent circuit. And it got a reading, it got production, it won scholarships. And from there, it went very quickly with my writing. And because I was an actor, I was writing very much from character, which I do believe drives plot. So I, 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 it just really worked for me. And there wasn't, there was really no going back. Um, and, and then from plays, I, I, I was writing screenplays as well. But the great thing about starting in theater was, especially as a beginner, you have the bonus that you hear actors read your work in a very quick turnaround. So as a new writer, you hear a reading. And when you sit in the room in the theater with actors, I mean, you know when when a piece needs rewriting. So I learned how to rewrite through the pain of sitting in a theater listening to live performance, um, which I don't think if you learn screenwriting, you get as much. I know you have readings for your screenplay, but it is not like seeing a play and hearing the bits that fall down and when the energy um, or repetition. So I learned very quickly how to rewrite, and then that lended into screenwriting. And my, my now my first play has been adapted into a TV series, which is what I'm working on now with the Academy Award-winning team. Coming at it, again, from that theater perspective, I think is so valuable. Um, I, I would say that, like, yes, some of the screenwriters writers that I work with do table reads, but most aren't. You know, most are just having people read them, and I think it's a very valuable step. Um, do you think it's something that you'll continue to do um, in the screenwriting world now as well? Absolutely. I think it's so important. I've been very lucky because I was, um, because of this debut uh, one-act play, I was referred to the Actors Gym in New York, um, which is run by Amanda Moresco and Bobby Moresco. Um, you know, Amanda's incredible, Bobby's won Oscars, and it was referral only. But once you're there, you are surrounded by uh, playwrights and screenwriters. And every week, your work goes up and it's performed by fantastic actors, um, you know, that are really there for the writers, so the writers can hear. And I would say it's absolutely essential to have your work read out. Both mediums are for performance. Um, 
you know, you think you're writing something and in your head, the rhythm's great, everything's wonderful. You're like, man, this is fantastic. And it's not until an actor brings their part to it that you really, A, feel if you're right and it's impacting because you feel it. And it's also great because you lose the pain and the sort of sensitivity to your work because the actors do such a good job. You can be more objective. So you can like say, oh my God, I'm laughing at my own work because they're bringing so much to it. And, and likewise, if it doesn't work, you, you just hear straight away what needs to be fixed. So yes, yeah. absolutely. Will. I think it's something, again, just being in Hollywood, there's less theater. There is theater, but it's, it's less than New York. It's less than London. And you have this huge uh, pool of, of actors out here um, that are kind of, you know, waiting to be cast in a TV show, waiting to be cast in a movie. Um, and it's like underutilized talent. So like one of the things that I would love to see more in LA is more theater um, and, you know, more workshops like this. And it, it exists, but it's not like there's, it could be, it could be part of everybody's process, um, if that makes sense. So I love hearing that. I also, something for me that I see talked about less in film and TV scripts is that you're, you're not writing for an audience. You're writing for those actors that that are going to play those roles and so that relationship between actor and writer is so important and again you being an actor and a writer could you maybe just speak a little bit to your thoughts on the writer actor connection just like a little bit more yeah absolutely when i first started writing i obviously was not writing for anybody i, I write so much from truth and and real life so i was just sticking to the truth and, and you know that's great because the truth will doesn't let you down so much um but because i was in the theater and you start to get to know your ensemble and it's like this wonderful feeling when actors are coming up to you and saying oh my god i had so much fun playing that role and like they mean it you can see it and they're like oh please can i read it again please and, and you're suddenly thinking the enjoyment of seeing actors play, especially females, a strong female-driven role and just loving it. And, and then for the first time, I'd be like, oh, this, this would be great for Sarah, this, you know, and, and, and sending the work out to people that would enjoy um, performing. And then, of course, you come to Hollywood and you start writing and, and, you know, the star names and you get into the whole money side of it. Um, but I, I, I try not to think of that so much. Maybe I should more, you know, I'm still on the journey too and working out Um I just try and be as truthful as possible to the character. Yeah. Right now, um, the show that you're developing, the show that you're writing, um, are you in the show? Like, are you going to be acting in it as well? Or uh, what does that look like? I don't think so. I think I started writing about five, it was 2018. I wrote my first debut play, although I've been a creative writer all my life. Um <laughs> And then it was very much writing because I was like sick of waiting for casting. I wanted a better role to play. And you suddenly spend about a year in Hollywood and, you know, you take your ego out of it. I have replaced my role so many times with better actors, actors that will bring the finance to get it greenlit. And now it's all about the writing and taking the ego and the neediness of an actor out of it. So I don't think I will be. Um, no, I don't. And that's that's great because it is now about the writing. <laughs> yeah, I think both are great. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely less pressure, right? I mean, it's still a ton of pressure, but it's a little bit less pressure than thinking, man, I got to I gotta also be in this thing at the same time. I've recently just come off stage where I was performing one of my lead roles and um, to work 
on stage in your own writing and acting. It's two definite different hats and you've got to be really, um, it, it's really strenuous because as an actor, you don't want to be thinking about your character or the technicality or what you've written. You need to be in character, which means you're not thinking, you're acting. And of course, if, if you're on stage and you just think, mm, you know, maybe I should have written that, you, you're instantly not in character. So it, it's very, it's very difficult. Um, but the TV show we're developing, actually, the two leads are very young roles. Um, and, you know, they've already started sending ideas, of people playing them, and it gets super exciting and stuff. But at the minute, we're still, we're still, we're still working on it. So it's very much in development. We've got a little writer's room together. So can you tell me a little bit about how um, this project got started? Like, how did, how did this, how did some, you know, somebody, did somebody see your play? Um, how did this project go from being one of your plays to going to development for a show? It was the actors' gym that I mentioned before that I was referred to. So um, you develop your plays there, and obviously it takes about four years to develop a play, much quicker for a screenplay. Um, so the artistic directors were very familiar with my writing. Um, I'd been taking in scenes since about 2019. Um, and... Obviously, building relationships with them and showcasing my work, and, and they really believed in my writing. They believed in my ideas. They encouraged me. They empowered me. Um, and then, actually, I was at a film festival in Italy in the summer last year, and, and we were all there together. And it, it just evolved. There was someone sitting next to us. I think I was at a table, and everyone on the table except me had won an Oscar. So you know, we were all having a joke. And then someone had finance, and it just happened very um, effortlessly that somehow we all ordered some Aperol spritz. And you know, by, by the time we'd finished them, we were making a TV series. Um, obviously, in this industry, you take these things with a pinch of salt. But the truth on this case is, I'd actually done about five years hard work, hard work bringing in my work with them. So it was it was the real thing. And Amanda Moresco uh, directed Beach Break when it was a one act play, um, and she was fantastic. You know, it was, I was a, I was a very early playwright. I was getting notes when I didn't understand what to do with the note, um, and I I really trusted her in the notes that she was giving me and she was absolutely right and, and the play became you know a very tight piece of writing um and you know I hope that she will direct the tv series and and, and we're also co-writing on it so we really became creative partners as co-writers um and I, I'm very relaxed to hand over the agency of my work to Amanda um and that was it we, we were that's what was happening it's um Bobby Moresco said he would executively produce it and, and we created our little writer's room and, and you know, we've started. At first, we thought it would be a feature film and it soon transpired that it was not going to fit into the structure of a, of a feature film. And then we, we switched it for a series and instantly the pressure just lifted. Everything made sense and we'd been writing for the wrong medium or the wrong adaptation. Uh, and that's where we are now. We're at the very painful part <laughs> where we're still doing structure and, and it's it's very hard work. Um, and it's also exhilarating. I'm sure you can't tell us too many details about it, but just like broad strokes, are are you building it as like an eight episode season? Are you building it as like a one hour per episode uh, show? Are they half hour shows? How are you structuring um, your season and your show? It's a one hour episodic, and I think probably about eight. 
Um, Amanda would be much better at answering that question. <laughs> she's Amanda. Amanda's written for a lot of TV shows before. She's done Crash, um, and and quite a lot of TV series um, in the writers' room. So it's really great to work with her. Um, Yes, I mean, we literally changed from a feature film to a series, of, I think it was about two weeks ago, even though we'd known it for the last month, but we were, we were the plan was to do a feature film and then do a series. And it just became so obvious. This was like, no, this is a series. It's speaking to us. We need to just do that. Will you uh, write all eight episodes before like taking it to market or will you, are you going to, and like, and shoot everything at once? Are you going to shoot a pilot first? Like what's, what's the process? That you guys okay, are going to so go I've through. Got, I've got the great guidance of Bobby Moresco, who's got so much experience, so much wisdom. So I'm going from what he says. We all understand things can change, mm-hmm. uh, but the plan is we'll do a pilot and shoot that because he's, you know, got finance um, in place, all to plan. Um, but what's evolved, which is why we knew it was a TV series, is the idea and the overreaching arc is is a series. There's bigger things going on that me and Amanda are really excited about and already know the directions that are going beyond the pilot. Um and and that the actually what my play was about, the lead characters and that are not the lead characters in the series. They are the lead characters in the pilot. And the episodic introduce uh, the each episode introduces new characters. So it, it was just a very, very interesting process. Um, but the plan is to shoot a pilot, but I'm getting very used to now industry things can change daily. What would you say have been uh, some of the challenges or just the differences between writing a play and writing a show? Well, the main one, of course, is show don't tell. I mean, you, on, on stage, your, your characters can speak to each other um, and they can get really into conflict through an argument. Um, and I'm good at writing dialogue. So when I come to adapt my plays, it's like really killing your darlings. You know, you've written this fantastic dialogue that's snappy and it's not on the nose. It's just really good. And then it's like, doesn't matter how good it is. We have to get rid of it because we have to show, not tell. I I, I really struggle with that. Um, but the, what what does stay the same is obviously, you know, the the goals of the characters, the um what what they're driving for and, and their flaws and wounds and you know the, so it, it, the whole universe and the characters that stay set up and that's invaluable but it's yeah changing to those there uh, and then of course writing scenes that aren't expensive and bringing all the financial side into it that's also a consideration that you don't have to worry too much on stage yeah with with a series like you can take your camera and go anywhere with it whereas on stage you you have to think about uh you know hey we we don't want to do a set change every 30 seconds you know like if we built this entire set we want to stay here for a little bit uh as well because you create this world on stage but then you're, you're trapped in that location so the excitement is you just get to open it up anything you've mentioned as an event in the in the stage play which will just be a line referencing another world off stage suddenly is a scene and we can actually create it and have it in another location um you know my play's called beach break so the last i heard at one point we were shooting it on St. kitts in the caribbean i mean you just don't get that in the theater you know <laughs> you're like in a freezing theater in the pitch black and versus uh, a trip to, to St. kitts so um that's much have- better <laughs> i think so <laughs> Although I don't know if the writer goes, right? <laughs> That's where I'll need to get a role. Well, um, Writers Guild of America standards are uh, they have to let you on set and they have to invite you to set. 
So like when you're shooting, uh, at the very least, uh, they'll fly you in to, to like, to be there for it. So, uh, you might not be there every day, but like you, like literally the contracts are like, they have to welcome you like on the set and like treat you nicely. Like it's literally written in that they have to like treat you nicely. So send this to Bobby right now. Exactly. I mean, that, that's, if you're going through the writers go to America, I, I don't, I don't know about the UK, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't well, yeah. I mean, I'm based in the U.S. The pandemic right. was sent us all over the place. Is it going to be a U.S. Uh, production or is it going to be a U.K.? Okay. Yeah, I'm with Three Arts Entertainment, so they'll probably be involved as well. Um, I was very lucky to sign with them. And, you know, this isn't my actually my first uh, screenplay I've written. I, I actually, <laughs> my debut screenplay was a 1930s epic war, um, uh, like a feature pilot, so double episode. Um, and I, I, I produced, I sent it to my manager and they were like, it's a little ambitious. And I was so naive. I was like, what's ambitious about it? And they're like, well, you need minimum $50 million. Yes. So they suggested if I could write a more simple screenplay and, you know, we could maybe come back when I'm a more established name. Uh, but, you know, that's my advice to anyone trying to break in is just write all the screen, all the bad screenplays, all the, make all your mistakes, just keep writing, as you know, more and more. I love that. Um, something that I always love finding out because every, uh, writer has a different journey. How did you find, uh, three arts? Like how, how did you sign, uh, uh, with them? Like how did that connection happen? Uh, I think that's a bit like how, how I ended up adapting this TV series. It feels like it was, uh, very organic and just in the moment, but it was also from possibly five years building relations with a network of people. Um, I'm very good at marketing. I'm very good at promoting, May, not because it comes naturally, but because I'm an, albeit I'm white, but I'm an immigrant in, in the US and you, and you know, had to put your press and everything forward. So I was also always nurturing relationships with people around me. Um, you know, for a long, long time. And one of my wonderful uh, contacts, Emily Carmichael, who now writes for Spielberg and she just wrote, um, the, the new Jurassic film, but we were living together when, and, you know, that was all coming, coming around and, um, she'll kill me for saying this, but, you know, she would be going for meetings and, you know, I was telling her what to wear and how to sit. Don't cross your legs. Come on. It's going to be all male team. Um, and we really sort of enjoyed that journey together. Um, and I, I remember she invited me to a Christmas party. I think it was the Verve Christmas party. And of course it was a very social thing, but I was, I'm, I've always been very opportunist. So when I met someone from three arts at the time, I had a, a book deal on the table in the UK with uh, United Agents and I of course dropped that information and they were really quick I got a business card straight away and the next day I sent the email I didn't get the general meeting straight away it took following up which is my biggest um, advice I give younger artists is, is you got you can't take that rejection straight away as a no you've got to follow up you've got to assume it's not personal they're busy and I followed up followed up followed up um the they represented me before I was ready, but they, I followed up. We finally got a, a general in and I pitched this, all these ideas I had. Um, and I, I pitched very well. And they, you know, my manager, he, he took me on and he's guided me. And, he, you know, I was still getting scholarships and learning and taking lessons at this time. Um, but he really believed and it, it's, it's been a godsend because three arts are huge. I mean, yeah. I, I had the downside that. 
you know, there's always that consideration if you're with a slightly smaller company, could they nurtured you more one-to-one um but for me it worked just because of the direction i was going and and the 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 opportunity that their name brings uh, i've still had to do a lot of the work myself you know he's waiting he's waiting for the script that isn't eight fifty million dollars uh so it's it's also been you know him being very patient with me so they've been amazing i love that i and i've talked to some writers and they're like you don't need a manager or an agent and i've talked to other writers that they're like I adore my manager and like wouldn't want to do, you know, one thing without them. And they've nurtured my career. And um, uh, again, that's why I ask because like everybody has, has their own journey with it. I think, yeah, it, for me, it was, it, it came about this way. I truly believe writers don't need a manager, but then it depends on your own personality and, and what you're doing yourself. If you're someone that isn't willing to go the extra mile for yourself, someone doing it for you is brilliant. Um, so I, I guess it's all personal. Um, it's great to have the opportunity, um, but I think writers spend a lot of time chasing agents and managers, and I don't think they should be chasing. I think they should be sitting at home doing the writing, and you know you can chase before you're even ready. And when when it when the moment's right, they'll come to you, or you build relationships. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people, which is what I did. So when the opportunity presented, we just jumped, and it, and it happened. Um, would I have a different career path without a manager? I'm pretty driven. So I think I'd still be going in this direction, but a manager absolutely has helped me. I love that. Talking more about uh, sitting home and writing, uh, what's your writing process? When I say that, like, what does your day in and day out look like as a writer? <laughs> so I do write every day. Um, I do laugh though, because obviously you hear all these stories about writers getting up at seven in the morning and doing that, you know, they're solid uh the the having their routine planned um unfortunately i am not that writer i have a because i'm a playwright as well and an actress my schedule changes all the time if i'm on a production playwriting i'm writing on that play you know in the theater and we're just writing to deadline you know crazy crazy you know opening night um in a quiet time which uh between productions yes i try and create an office environment um, I often write in my pajamas and a hoodie top so, so, so you don't get distracted to go out and meet people. Um, but I'm at, I'm at a desk and, and I am doing it. I like to write with background noise. So occasionally, you know, I'll go to cafes and write. Um, what I do do because I am bad at creating the routine is I like even now to enter sort of like screen craft or just keep an eye on things where you can enter a draft um, into a competition, not because I want to win anything, not at this stage, but it actually creates a deadline with which you work towards and you complete and it moves your draft along. Um, so I will try and cheat myself into having a routine. Um, it's very, I find it very, very, very difficult. I uh, I love the setting the deadline. I use uh, nickel each year, like as a deadline. To, like, hey, I'm gonna submit a new draft to here, and I use like the Sundance Fellowship every year. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna submit uh, so so that there's a date, and so that uh, you know a year doesn't go by where I haven't written something new. I I I, it's, I I think it's a great idea. What is most challenging for you as a writer? Is there a part of the process that's hard? Uh, obviously sitting at your desk writing the writing itself but you know once you get into it I love it but I think the hardest thing is also the greatest thing for me and it's 
because I believe you have to use truth, and that doesn't mean what you write is truthful. As we know as writers, it's we use an essence of truth, something, an experience. Um, so the best thing for writing is when you use like these intensely dramatic moments in your real life and then you put them in a fictional way into your work but the the emotional essence has a truth to it so you're really leaving yourself raw and exposed or you feel that way and I I think the hardest part for me was that you give that truth you're so brutally honest which is usually what is the better writing so it gets selected or greenlit for a production and then you have to let go of the agency of it and let other people come in and change it, make suggestions on that very painful raw thing that you know is underlying, pull it apart, critique it, give notes, um, toss it in the bin, whatever they want to do with it. And even when they love it, they have their own ideas and they will start to give notes about how the character wouldn't do this or wouldn't do that. Um, and at first I used to feel very overwhelmed by this until I learned that that feeling will not get a project greenlit and you have to be completely objective at a point once you've created something, step away from it and it becomes an object that's not personal to you anymore so you can discuss it, take notes, dissect it and let go and compromise on it for teamwork to get greenlit and, and that was a great lesson for me and it was a hard lesson for me and it, it's made the difference for me it usually just takes time and distance like you know it's much easier for me to take notes and edit something that i wrote a year ago versus something that like i just finished yeah i mean if you've got any podcasts i can listen to on about taking notes i mean i know how to do it now but it's still it's still a thing i mean you know, I've you know we've all heard now as professional writers, you find the note within the note if you don't agree, and um, you know that there's obviously just something there. It might not be what they say, but yeah, giving a whole story and <laughs> having people tell you it, it's it's quite something. But I am getting better. My take is again, like someone might be like, I don't want that character to die at the end, and you as the writer know, like, no, this character has to die doesn't mean they don't have to die uh, or that they should live, but it means like that it's currently not satisfying to the reader. And if just one reader tells you that, like I ignore it. But if three or four readers are like, yeah, this, this isn't working, then like, yeah, you got to, like you said, look at the note below the note and figure out what's going on there. I think it's really important. I've also learned, you know, at first I'd be sending out my work to friends who knew nothing about writing, but I was just too shy at first to send it to the professionals. And um, right. so I stopped that. And, and then even with the professionals, I think a good tip is to make sure you're getting notes from people who have a similar audience to you and write similar themes. It's no point sending it, even if they're a top writer, if they're, if they're not writing themes from the same angle you are, you know, can you rely on that note as well? So it's also picking the people and, and keeping that number quite small of people that you want notes before you get the studio notes where you've, you know, you've got to take and, 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 and pretend you're very grateful for them, or maybe you are, um, but you, you have to really, and then go back and, and work out what the note is and, and what they want changed. Curious, because I know that you've written plays, you've written scripts. I also heard you say that you've written a book. Um, have Where I must, can... I must correct you. I'll just correct you. I pitched the book and had a treatment. It was one of those projects that never got off the ground. I am yet to write a novel. I started wanting to be a novelist, um, and it's kind of like going the longest way round to come back to what I probably have the best skill set for. Path of most resistance. You learn more. 
in in writing a play first, that's coming into something with intellectual property. So something that I've seen a lot recently is writers that want to write a screenplay, want to get a movie made or want to get a TV show made. And they take one step backwards. Like they might even have, when I say backwards from what they want, and they write either uh, a short novel first, um, or they write a play or they write a graphic novel to create something that can first that they can show people that like, Hey, here's this finished product that I have. Here's a hundred reviews on Amazon of people that have read the book. And then they take that um, to market to try to sell their show or their movie. What's your take on that process? Yeah, I have done exactly that. And it's worked really well. Um, I do know from my network that a short story now can be gold as intellectual property, just a short story. Um, I think it's a very viable way in. Um, there's part of me intuitively that also wants to answer. I don't think anything beats just writing the great pilot. Like if you send a great pilot to your agents or managers, um, and it's just what it they need on paper, and you know that's that's the real thing. Um, but both both are great ideas. Advice to your younger self: If you had to, uh, silly question maybe, but like if you had to give yourself advice to. Uh, let's just say Joanna 10 years ago. Stop partying and staying and right. No, no, no. I, I actually take that back because uh, ex- life experience is so important to a writer. So I would definitely not change a thing in that respect. Um, uh, I was very adventurous in my early days um, and you would not have been able to get me to sit at a desk for longer than half an hour. Um, so, But I wouldn't change that. But I think probably I would go back and say that a lot of the anxiety and fears you have to begin something because you think you're not going to be good enough. Um, I would love to tell younger me and younger people, nobody knows how to do something. They can go to all the coaching and everything. They do not know how that play got was completed until it's completed. They didn't know they could do it. They didn't know where it was going. They just sat down and did it. Um, so it would probably be something along the lines of, of stop striving for perfection um, and be quite happy to produce a really bad piece of writing, which was your first draft, and then go and fix it because it exists. I love that. And I also love, I mean, something you said earlier is like when you're working on a play, you might spend four years working on it. Whereas I think, uh, especially with screenwriting and pilot writing, there's just kind of like this this idea that, oh, yeah, you're going to write this in uh, like one to three months and it's going to be great. And yeah, you're going to rewrite it with notes, but like you're going to finish this thing quickly versus like really chewing on something and making it the best possible version of itself. Well, that's also scary, isn't it? Because I, I, I mean, you tell me, I don't know the answer, but as a writer, I feel we never get to the end result. I mean, we could just, you know, I've, I've heard plays on stage that I thought I'd locked and, you know, I'm sitting in the audience on finale night rewriting it. Um, yeah. So that also seems to be, but that that ties in with what I'm saying is that it's okay. Things don't have to be perfect. Um, create them; they exist, and then you are a writer because you're fixing something that you've written. Um, whereas I think when you're young, you just believe that you've got to sit down and create this or write this perfect thing, and that's very daunting. Um, yeah. You see all these other professional writers as just in another, you know, another galaxy that you'll never reach, and and really they just did the same thing. They produced shit drafts and they just kept rewriting them. And that's what 
that's what multiple editions are for as well. You know, you can release your, your revised edition of your play or or your book, you know, later on. <laughs> we just did that. And my production was in London at the end of last year. We were so, so busy. And I got an email saying that my plays are now in the drama bookstore in New York, which is Tony Award winning theatre shops. I was like, this is amazing. And then I was like, oh my God, no, we need a second edition. And he's like, I was like, can, I need to put a second edition. Please don't put the first edition. He's like, okay, you have 24 hours. I'm like, oh my God. So I was like on stage the next day. I was riding through the night. It was, it was just fantastic. And, it, you know, I was so stressed and no sleep. And I just kept saying to myself, you're living the dream. This is the dream. <laughs> it was horrendous. <laughs> oh, man. Like, that's something that I'm always working on. Is like, I have this idea in my head that, like, yeah, that the successful writer is not sleeping at night and like, you know, on deadline. I'm like, I don't, I don't want that for me. I I, I want to like do this and, you know, I want to, I still want to get my sleep, but like, I'm okay having a few moments like that from time to time. Yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> crazy it was like wow this is really it and you know what I'm scared to go look at the second edition people are like sending me that they've bought it and you know saying nice things and I'm just like I have no idea what I changed in that second edition it was like four in the morning <laughs> but you know Amazing. it's, it's uh, the story in itself something that I was hearing about recently though is just this idea that when you're a playwright when you've written a play and it's been produced that you own that play for life as a playwright, and then you option the movie or the TV rights for it versus if you write a film script or TV script, you sell it. It's no longer yours. You don't, you do not own that. Um, Do you know any more details or have any thoughts on that? I guess this answers your question why it's good to have a manager because he would, he would answer this question. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Then that's fine. It's just like a little thing. Five years, I'll know the answer to that and I'll get back to you. (laughs) Perfect. But yeah, for me, like it's like when I was hearing that, I was like, it sounds advantageous to to write a play first, um, in terms of just like the the path of ownership for the future, kind of thing. I'm a big believer that in my path, the universe has. I I, I sort of just feel very spontaneous how I will follow opportunities so the path I've taken I never planned this I didn't I didn't sit down and think oh if I write a play I'll have you know more intellectual property I'll have you know it it was it was just a very natural curve from the acting to the writing to the theater to screen I love that along those lines of kind of following a path or following a flow is there any sort of code that you live by or spirituality that you live by um, that kind of guides your your artistry and your creativity in terms of art, I'm an incredibly truthful person and I will not ignore an impulse, which in real life can be a nightmare, you know, very spontaneous. Um, but I believe in art and also the direction of where your art is going. Um, it guides me in a, in a very sort of chaotic but valid way. Um, I, I believe in energy and, and the moment of something, and that can be just on basing relationships and who you're going to work with, that energy that you feel and you just have that sort of gelling moment that, oh, this is a good energy. This, let's just, I don't overthink it. I'm just spontaneously, you know, this is working. Let's, let's just run with it and see what happens. Um, and also in, I make the same decisions for my characters in the work as well. Um, you know, not to overthink and to be a little bit spontaneous. I don't know if this is good advice for other people, but it worked for me um, in creating without planning too much. 
but you're you're trusting your impulses you're trusting your gut which is great i think that comes from being an actor as well because on stage that's that is acting is is in the moment spontaneity and impulses um that you're reacting differently in in every moment and afresh so you know from each night on stage it's different and i I, I am that person and opportunities that come to me. Um, I'm very fast when I want something and it's there. You know, I don't hesitate. Um, maybe I should. Maybe I should take more time. But my personality is, is the opposite. And it, it has, you know, got me here. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's good advice or bad advice, but it's the way I do things. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I think it's I think it's great. I think there's probably too much hesitation um, in the aspiring screenwriter, too much um overthinking over planning versus like you said creating a uh a garbage first draft and then rewriting it and rewriting it i say the same it ties into what we're saying otherwise you just get terrified i mean terrified it's a terrifying industry um it doesn't always feel safe and empowering um so if you overthink things you'd run a mile really um and then you find the people that you have a connection with and that are empowering you and it's what what's there to think about it's like great let's do something together there are not enough, you know, female voices in film. There's not enough female voices in TV. There's not enough female voices in place. Um, as a female filmmaker, just like, what does that environment look like right now? And what can we do about it? That's absolutely right. And I think there is plenty of women with the skills and out there and want to be working and want to be hired. Um, however, if you look at the percentages of female representation, um, in terms of like who is at the Oscars, who's getting a nod, who's being financed, um, who's on Broadway, how many female um, playwrights. It's absolutely dire and it's not changing. Um, I think it's something like now, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I would have looked at the actual statistics for this year, um, but it, it's something like uh, 20% female playwrights, um, you know, 25% female playwrights to 75 male playwrights, roughly around those figures. Um, it, it, it's appalling. I mean, that's just a fact. And, and female narrative is the least funded. Um, the the Me Too movement and these movements that we had, for me, were very important um, in that time. In retrospect, I don't know if they changed much. Um this whole cancel culture is just more censorship of artists. And I believe the artists were probably the most awake people in the first place. Um, what's actually changing at the higher levels, the gatekeepers, the agents, the managers. Sure, we get token black roles now. We get token females represented. But is it really changing the overall um, the overall situation? I am not sure. Um, and, and, you know, we've we've got to keep fighting as females. We've got to be willing to disturb and demand and insist to be heard. I love that. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you'd like me to ask you about? No, I even mentioned that I wrote in my pajamas. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what's important. That's, that's, that's the moment that like, you know, we're going to cut the, uh, the highlight reel for it. just like that <laughs> moment. People are like, yes, I, I got step one down of being a screenwriter. I'm in my pajamas too. You know, lovely talking to you. It's been lovely to oh. connect. I've loved it, and I'll look forward to chatting with you more. Let's let's do this again sometime. You can find out more about Joanna on Instagram, at Joanna Pickering. You can find out more about me, at Write With Russ. And you can find out more about the show, at Screenplay. We'll see you next week.